Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Darkness falls across the land. Halloween is close at hand. Podcasters crawl in search of blood to reminisce on the films of childhood. And whosoever shall be found without listening to us and getting down must stand and face the hosts of the show who love to talk about movies, you know. The foulest stench is in the air, the funk of our voices in your ears, and grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. It's time to talk about tales of horror, and your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can possibly last against the 30-something movie podcast. <laughs> reached the end of our Halloween movies this month. Uh, Pat, you doing okay? I'm doing okay, man. Okay. You, I was going to say, that might be a little much for Pat. Right, well. I know. I'm a little scared, honestly. You've, you've kind of, I mean, you've made it through, you've pretty much made it through the month. I don't know if you watched all of them, but. I, I did. I, um, and I didn't, I didn't watch the end of, um, I didn't watch the end of, um, what's it called? The, um, shoot, I can't think. The, the Poltergeist 2. I didn't see that okay. one. Not necessary. But I mean, uh, I saw the what was it? Little House of Little House on the Prairie. Oh, yep. I almost called it Little House of Horrors. <laughs> little Little Shop of Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, Little Little House of Horrors. Little Little uh, Little then, Prairie of Horrors. And then there was um, with the weird thing that was almost like the comedy. The house and the uh, house. Yeah. The house. I was messing up the two. Yeah, and yeah. then this thing was just you know. This thing was, you know, fingernails and toenails falling mm. off, but this is a roller coaster ride of vomit. Yeah, the toenails falling off thing I'm kind of used to, so that's okay. Okay, that's that's extra gross. All right. Well, anyway, thank you for joining us for episode number 96 of the 30 something movie podcast. This does finish out our month of Halloween movies. Um, so we are going to be talking the fly this time around the 1986 version of the fly very, very quickly before we get into it. We do spoil the events of the movies we talk about. So if you haven't seen them yet, go check out the movie first and come back and listen. If you don't care, then stick around. Um, also, if you would, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you leave reviews for podcasts. You could leave us a review or you could just email us 30 podcast at gmail.com and let us know how we're doing. Or if you've got any other suggestions or movies that maybe we haven't covered yet that you think we should. Um, I am joined this time around by my co-hosts, Pat Canigallo. Hey, hey. And Dennis Matuch. Yo. There we are. Yo. You sound like uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yo. Yo, hey, yo. 
Yeah, in, you know. Um, all right, so really, really quickly before we get into the fly, um, I did talk about this because I recorded with Jeff and his friend Tony uh, yesterday when we were talking about the, the Dark Knight Returns comic book. And so we talked about this then, but I haven't released that episode yet, so I'm going to ask you guys now. Um, Pat, I know the answer to this. Dennis, I think I know the answer to this. Have you seen the Logan trailer? No, I have not. Okay. This hour? This, within the last five minutes? Well, I know you've... The answer, of all those questions, the answer to all those questions for Pat is yes. Okay. Because I know you've seen it no, like, you know, 170 times since whenever it came out on, was it Thursday? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, very quickly, Pat, without maybe giving up, to, giving too much away to Dennis, who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about it, Pat? I feel very excited about this, John. I'm not afraid to say I've watched, I binged on that trailer for the last, like, what, as, almost a week? As opposed to, all the, as opposed to all the things that you're not excited about? Yeah, I know. This is this one really counts, though. I think okay. I ended up falling on the floor and running around in a circle. You did. In your office. You actually spun I around on the floor. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about the trailer. I think it's, it's um, it, it looks like, you know, they're really taking the character... Well, they're following a certain, they're following the old man Logan comic. Yeah. And so it, it kind of puts this character in, in, in a little bit more of a vulnerable thing. I'm trying to be careful so I don't spoil too much with, you know, for Dennis and that. But I mean, so that's exciting. Um, it's it's going to be, it looks like a little bit more heavy duty. I think it's coming with an R rating. So it's going to yeah. be kind of the the Wolverine that we, we remember from the comics. It just, it just looks very dramatic, you know, because somehow... And I'm sure we could read it in a comic, but, you know, the movies change things a little bit, but you're kind of wondering, how do we get from point A of, hey, the X-Men survived and we're tolerating mutants and, you know, we're all, it's all, they're all powerful and it's all good. And then somehow we're in this, you know, this, this desolate future where there aren't that many mutants and they're being hunted and, you know, all that kind of thing. So there's lots of things to be excited about. Well, and knowing that this is probably going to be Hugh Jackman's last movie with the X-Men and Wolverine, it looks like it's going to be a halfway decent kind of send off for him to kind of finish up, to wrap up his story. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't give anything away because, you know, they don't obviously don't show anything about him dying or what happens to him in the, in the trailer. And I have not read the old man Logan story, so I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure on how that ends. So I'm going to kind of go into this a little bit surprised too, but it looks like it'll be a decent, it looks like it's, it's going to be a decent um, send off for him as kind of his final, take on a character that yeah. that uh, I think it was Jeff when we were talking about yesterday said that Hugh Jackman has basically created this character it's different from the ones that's in the comics and it's a character that he's developed over the last what almost 20 some years now yeah yeah because so, when did he, when did X-Men come out I want to say that one was like 99 was it 98 oh my gosh was it back the 90s it was like 98 99 something like that okay yeah so I yeah, mean, it's, he's, he's had a good he's had a good fifteen years of playing Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, and you know, to be completely honest, man, I mean, growing up, that was, and I think I told this to you. I mean, I didn't collect comics and all that, but my buddy that did, I would always he he'd shoot me some Batman comics, but he'd shoot me like he was a huge Wolverine person, and I became a pretty big Wolverine fan, and I just those were the comics I read. He'd say, "Hey, check this one out, check this one out," and yeah. so. You know, it's uh, I would I would say that's my uh, favorite X Men character is is favorite right there would be Wolverine. So this this movie looks like it could be pretty awesome. 
Nice. Dennis, are you still trying to stay away from trailers? Um, you know what? This one I just haven't gotten a chance to see because, like, I, have you guys seen every one of those in the theater? The Wolverine ones? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, see, I haven't seen them all, and I don't think I've seen one Wolverine in the, in the theater for some reason. It's just like a um, whatever the kind of the series of films that I haven't for whatever. I'm And not that I'm against it. It's just timing, whatever. It just never worked out where I never really saw them in the theater. So I saw them on DVD and things like that. So I don't have my rule applying here where I can't see this trailer. So I could watch the trailer. I'll probably watch it tomorrow to be, or tonight, maybe. Okay. Um, I had to get, like, great, you know, all this other mm-hmm. stuff done. So uh, it just, yeah, I, I, I like it, but I, I've been more of the DVD um, get it from the library, Netflix type of Wolverine person for some right. reason. Not that I don't like it. It's like, I like it, but I just don't, for some reason, I just have not gotten to the theater to see those. So I can break that rule because my rule typically is if I know I'm going to the theater to see this movie, that's when I don't want to watch the trailer. Cause I know like star Wars, I know I'm going. So I watch the trailer. Well, right. And, and, and Pat, I could watch it. So right. And Pat, just, Pat got to the theater and saw 60% of the last Wolverine movie. Okay. Yes. Because he fell asleep. Yeah. And then I filled the gaps in at the DVD at home. Right. There you go. <laughs> you know, so Pat's Pat's a sixty percent kind of guy when it comes to Wolverine. I can I can see a movie for the first time several times in a row. I I believe that about you. <laughs> I was about to say I, I have a whole bunch of pictures of you sleeping in different places, but then that just sounds weird. <laughs> that does. That does. But I remember when that movie I remember just loving, just like, oh my gosh, The Wolverine, that's an amazing movie. And then Tammy and I rented it, and I'm like, you're going to love this. And I, I got to admit, I'm kind of, I dozed during part of it. I'm a little embarrassed, so we're going to watch the whole thing. And uh, I, this is like a whole new experience. I don't really remember that this is outstanding. There was like an hour and so. 10 minutes of deleted scenes for you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All righty. Well, I don't know that there was anything else too much that came out new. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the other day. You and I talked a little bit about Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, which also looks good. Um, but other than that, I don't yep. know there's a whole lot of other new stuff going on. So we will just jump right on into talking about The Fly. Um, I did, before we get into that, um, I did put up a poll on Twitter and asked people uh, which fly do they think was better, the 1986 version or the 1958 version. And the votes that I got back, uh, 64% said that the 86 version was better, 36% said the 58 version was better. Um, and I did have one oh. person, did have one person, uh, the tipsy cinema review at tipsy review on Twitter. Um, thank you guys for replying, uh, said they have not seen the original, but they can't imagine that it beats the special effects of the 86 version. And obviously it does not. I mean, the original has its own, has its own charm to it. it it's a very different kind of story, but, um, you know, definitely if you haven't seen the original one, you're, you're going to like the special effects that are in this n- newer, more grotesque mm-hmm. version of it. Alrighty, so the title of this one is The Fly. It came out August 15th, 1986, rated R, directed by David Cronenberg, who also did Scanners, The Dead Zone, and A History of Violence, produced by Stuart Kornfeld, who also produced National Lampoon's European Vacation, Zoolander, Dodgeball, Tropic Thunder. Uh, The writer for this one, uh, George, I would imagine it might be a French name, so I'm going to butcher it, but it's George Langelon. Oui Merci beaucoup. Um, sure. He wrote the short story that both of the Fly movies are based off of. He died in 1969. Um, Charles Edward Pogue wrote the initial screenplay for this movie, which was highly or, or, or severely rewritten by David Cronenberg himself. But Charles Edward Pogue also wrote for Psycho 2, DOA, and Dragonheart. David Cronenberg, who did the rewrites of the screenplay, also wrote Scanners and Crash. 
Howard Shore did the music. He is known for Lord of the Rings movies, Hugo, uh, being a music director on Saturday Night Live, and The Aviator. Budget for this one ranges somewhere between nine and fifteen million. Um, got some different numbers from different places. The box office though was sixty point six million, so it did very well. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is the star in this one, playing Seth Brundle. Uh, he was in Jurassic Park. He will be in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he was in the Independence Day movie and its sequel, and Earth Girls Are Easy. Gina Davis plays Veronica Quaif. She was in Stuart Little, Thelma and Louise, and Beetlejuice. John Getz plays Stannis Baratheon. Uh, he was in Blood Simple, The Social Network, and Zodiac. I'm just kidding. His character's name was Stathis Borens. Stathis, let me make sure I got that right. Stathis Borens. Okay, I saw it. It just looked like Stannis Baratheon, so I went with it. Uh, Joy Bouchelle played Tawny. She was in yeah. Quest for Fire, Look Who's Talking. Uh, Les Carlson played, uh, he died in 2014. He played Dr. Brent Cheevers. He was in A Christmas Story and the TV series Anne of Avonlea. George Chuvalo played Marky. He was in Last Man Standing and Prom Night 3. And then David Cronenberg, the director, played the gynecologist. He, played, he also acted in Jason X, Crash, and Nightbreed. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 91%. The audience gave it an 82%. Um, could not find a review from Siskel and Ebert, but I know they liked it because they listed it as one of their best movies of the 80s. And Siskel listed it as his number 10 movie on his top 10 list of best movies of 1986. Uh, Cinema Score gave this one a B. And the awards for this one, they won an Academy Award. Uh, Chris Wallace and Stephen Dupuy won an award for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Uh, they won the Academy Award. They were nominated for the BAFTA Award for the same thing, nominated for a Hugo Award. And then this won awards. Uh, let's see, it won Saturn Awards for Jeff Goldblum for Best Actor, uh, Chris Wallace for Best Makeup and for Best Horror Film. It was nominated, Gina Davis was nominated for a Saturn Award, and David Cronenberg was nominated for Best Director. So, Seth Brundle is an eccentric scientist slash inventor working on a device that will change the world. When he shares his invention with a beautiful newspaper reporter, he begins a relationship with her that seems to be destined for success until an accident begins to change Seth in ways he never quite anticipated. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I, I had them analyzed. They were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? What's to turn me into something else? Oh, no. A fly. Got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. 
different help me than the original fly mm-hmm. there's a little bit less of a help me all right um in 1987 uh vincent price was interviewed and revealed that when this remake came out uh, jeff goldblum had sent him a letter saying quote i hope you like it as much as i liked yours um and price was you know he he appreciated the letter so he replied and then he went to go see the film and then he said it was wonderful up to a certain point and then it went a little bit too far um, the, uh, person who designed was kind of the creator and designer of the fly creature, uh, that we see, uh, his name is Chris Wallace and he won a whole bunch of different awards. You know, some of the ones we just listed off. And, um, apparently when one of the first test audiences saw the film and saw his name pop up as the first credit in the credits, they just started cheering and, and, uh, the producer turned to him and said, um, dude, you're getting an Oscar just so you know that ahead of time. Um, and he did actually win the Oscar for it. Originally, two, and this would have been interesting, two different people that were originally up for this. Tim Burton was ori- originally offered the directing job, and Michael Keaton was originally offered the Seth Brundle role. So you would have had Batman buddies before they were oh. Batman buddies. Um, and Pat, I put this in here because I figured you would appreciate this. The inspiration for the design of the telepods came from the shape of the cylinder in the director David Cronenberg's vintage Ducati motorcycle. Oh, Really? One other thing I figured you would also appreciate is that Seth Brundle, the um, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, is supposed to be the the name comes from is it Martin Brundle? That's a F one Formula One racer. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I guess yeah. I guess yeah, David Cronenberg. Okay, yeah, I guess David Cronenberg is is a big racing fan, so he not only does he have a vintage motorcycle, but he also decided to take the name from the Formula One racer. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's good. All righty. So is this, um, now, Dennis, I think I've, I've asked you this before. Now, Pat, you have not seen the original 50s version of this. I have not seen that. I, I've worked up the gumption to watch the modern one. I have not seen the original. Okay. The 50s one's a little more tame, so. Oh, a lot more tame, yeah. You just, just by a little bit, yeah. All right, <laughs> so Dennis, so, yeah, Dennis, you've seen the 50s one. Yes. Okay. So what do you, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the 50s one, can you kind of give us a, a, quick, um, a quick idea of what might be different from this movie? Well, number one, the special effects here are completely different. I think it's based more, I mean, there is that love story angle or like the, you know, the love interest of, of the person that he's with. There's like that female male thing as this happens. Um, it's, just, it's just a 1950s movie and it's the style of movies back then. It wasn't as scary, I think. Right. Although I will tell you that that ending of the original, for some reason, even though it did not have the special effects budget of the new one, had one of the longest lasting um, vision, like, 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 not necessarily a nightmare quality to it, uh, just something very disturbing that you don't forget. Yeah. Like to this day, I can see that scene. I can always see that when you mentioned the old version of the fly, I go right back to them smashing, you know, the rock and mm-hmm. and, and Vincent Price and the, the police guy there and everything else because they're going to take her away because they think she's nuts. Um, 
and that whole, you know, help me, and, and the spider coming close. It just that whole scene, since I was a kid, had a lasting just impression or memory on me where I always, I could see it, like, clearly. Like, it was just, it's disturbing. Um, I, I, in, in some ways, while the new one has all this gore and all that type of stuff, and there's definitely some scenes that I can, I will, I'm sure we'll get to and talk about, but um, I think back then, because... The, the fly makeup and everything else was the guy really walking around with a suit and he had that kind of the fly head on at some point covered up most of the time by uh, like a, a scarf or a curtain or whatever. Um, you don't always see it and then there's the reveal at the end and then there's, but it's not as traumatic, but that ending with the, the fly in the web, it's just, and it's the voice I think that is more than anything. Yeah. Help me, help, help me. me. Yeah. And there's, the, I mean that, uh, and it's been played over in many, many things. So, I mean, the difference is really just, to me, the special effects, the storyline is definitely a little bit different as well. Um, but I just think uh, I think Vincent Price is correct in in, in a way. Like his 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 letter back to to, to Goldblum is is totally appropriate. Is fine. I don't think it's being like a, for them. I could see that generation saying, "Okay, I liked it, but at some point you got too gory." Yeah. And, and I think that's a fair assessment. But at the same time, for the modern version. They're going, you guys already did that tame version, which was good and we loved it. But the real thing is if there was this splicing and morphing of creatures like this, this is what disgusting crap you would get. You know, yeah. I, so I, I see both sides of it and I agree with kind of both. And they are what they are. And that's why I think it works where you can like this is one where I don't think you have to choose between. The, I think it's very much like Little Shop Horse. Yeah. Um, and the feeling yeah. that I love the old one and I love the new one. I don't feel like I have to choose. And this one, I like the old one. And I like, you know, I love, I love both of these. I think they're both good in their own right. And because they didn't try to be necessarily better than the other, they're just different. It works. Yeah. Here, I've got the, I found the audio of the, the 50s one. <laughs> coming home then. Soon, Philippe. I saw that funny looking fly again. Oh. Which hole we go to? Any. You saw the fly. Where? It's in a web. Bart is going to get it. By the bench, in the garden. You sure? Oh, yes. Stay <laughs> Inspector, it's in the garden. Come quickly. Please, Monsieur Dumas. Philippe has seen it. It's there. I beg of you, please, please. All right, show me where. <laughs> It's a good boy, Just said path the visual because if you have the visual with that man, it's just and it's not as bad. I mean, it, it's hard to say. It's like it's not. It's just disturbing. There is a disturbing quality to it. So if you just look you up set, the ending, you'll find it, Pat. Just look up. Okay, the set the scene. Like what's happening when that? When so that, yeah. So here, here's the kind of the premise of the old fifties one. Is it starts off? Yeah, first of all, I think it's taking taking place in France. At least everybody's name is French. Yeah. Um, at least the police and everything. Right. Yeah. And so right. it, the movie starts off with they discover. 
um, this scientist and he has been crushed. His arm and his head have been crushed in this giant uh, press machine mm. and his wife is running away from the scene. And so it's the movie is actually more about the investigation of why did he why did she kill him? Like she admits to killing him. And yeah. the, the whole movie is a flashback to her finally be, being willing to explain, you know, what were the circumstances of his death. And you get the idea that he was working on some invention. Um, he eventually tells his wife that it's a teleportation machine. And he's doing this to try to uh, create something that can help people, you know, reach long distances, you know, space travel. You won't need spaceships because you can just teleport to different planets. You can send people, you know, food in countries where they're starving instantaneously at no cost. And so he's, you know, he's, he's creating this invention for the betterment of mankind. And he gets to a point where he's, he's kind of overly eager to um, experiment on animals and then ultimately himself. And he does. And at one point the, he kind of disappears for a few days. And um, when his wife finally goes downstairs to see what's going on, he's got his head covered in a blanket and he's got his arm kind of tucked up inside of his coat and she tries to talk to him, but he can't, for some reason he can't speak. And so he's typing out these letters to her and kind of explaining that something went wrong and he needs her help. And he needs her to find a fly with a white head um, that is loose somewhere in the house. And so they, you know, at different times they try to catch the fly, but then it gets away. And, and ultimately they, they kind of come to the conclusion that they're not going to catch the fly. And so he realizes that he, he needs his wife to kill him because he's feeling himself kind of slip away that he's losing his humanity. And she, was it her? I think she pulls off the, the blanket off of his head at one point. And yeah, cause he tries something one more time. And then when he comes out, she's like, Oh, I know it worked. I know it yeah. worked. And then she ends up pulling off the thing. And then that's when you get the big reveal that it didn't work. And he's got the fly head. She yeah. faints. He picks her up, puts her in the back. I mean, I remember all that pretty, yeah. pretty vividly. And it was like, um, at that point. Yeah. So it, it, you're correct. It's telling the story back, you know, like you're going through and, and, and starts off and then you're, you're going back through the investigation and then it's hold this whole thing. Is she making this right. up? Cause it sounds like a far fetched story. Right. There's no, so ultimately she is, um, yeah, ultimately she's accused uh, Well, she's going to be found guilty of his murder. Um, because as far and as more they, so she's going to be committed, she's going to be committed right. too. Cause they find Right, because they they think right. They think the story is no sane person would be telling this story. Well, and the whole idea was if they could have caught the fly with the white head, then he felt he probably could have reversed the whole thing and saved himself um, mm -hmm. and returned himself back to normal human form. But they never did catch it. So she's in the process of being carted away, and the son, because uh, in the old movie they already have a son, and he's probably about nine or ten years old yeah. um he ends up finding the white-headed fly in a spider web out by a bench and um when they go vincent price um i think vincent price is the is he the brother he's like the brother i yeah. think he's the inventor's yeah. brother yeah um yeah, like, yeah vincent price and then the police yeah then the police detective they go out to take a look at this white-headed fly and as they're looking at it they they look up close and it actually has a fly's body with a human head and it's got this giant okay. spider coming toward it and that's when you hear when you see the little fly character with the the human head is screaming he's tied up in the web and he's screaming help me help me and you get that whole scene so it's actually a really creepy and i would imagine the it's, it is creepy in yeah. the 50s it would have been especially creepy i'm going to let's see i'm going to send you guys 
Um, send send Pat the link to it. I've seen it. And I yeah. saw it like you're like I saw the ending again today, so I was going to send him the ending, but I wasn't sure if he saw it. But yeah, if you watch the ending, it's there's definitely a, a weird, disturbing, creepy quality that you'll never forget once you see. It. And as a kid, man, I just like I said that yeah. that thing just kind of wanted to pick up the rock and throw it or save him or something. I'm just like heck, and it's like you just never look at a fly in a web uh, after that point. You know, I always <laughs> I think of that, and that's been. I think portrayed in like anywhere from like Simpson. Hasn't it been portrayed portrayed in a lot of different? Oh, I um, think so. Like yeah, spoofed or whatever all over the place. Yeah, I think it has been. It's pretty yeah, iconic. There, yeah, there have there have been season. other there have been other times where they've had somebody trap someone somewhere, and they're just like, "Help me! Help me!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I used to, I still would do that with times too, where you're stuck and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. help me!" Yeah, it's, right. But um. And that happened then in the, that then the movie ends, Pat, where it's like basically the police officer who was going to commit her now sees this. So he's like, I saw it, okay. but no one will believe me because he's the one who picks up the, the rock because it's driving him nuts. It's about the, it's just, it's just pouncing on the guy actually. And he takes a big rock and crushes both of them. So then he sits down on the bench and it's kind of the whole thing. of So, so eventually he's like, you know, we, we could convince everybody that this was suicide, that he could have done that to himself, you know? So basically it ends with a happy ending in this case versus the, the new one. Where Philippe and uh, the the boy and um, and the mom are okay, and the brother is there, and they're all you know. So it's a more happier end where she's not committed, and she's not convicted of the crime. Right, right. So, so you feel better in the end, but this one, yeah, the the fly man. I just remember it being like the most the new the new one. Just so it, it's a very depressing movie. It's like it's I a very yeah. So yeah, yeah. So fast fast forward fast forward about thirty years, and uh, we end up with the Jeff Goldblum Gina Davis fly. And so you're saying it's it's kind of a maybe a bleak, depressing movie. Jeff, and this was kind of my feeling too. It's a very sad movie. Jeff said, yeah. um, and I kind of get that take from it too. Yeah. That it's it's just it's very sad, you know, especially when you're kind of because you at, by the end of this, or not even just by the end, but you're kind of once Gina Davis knows what's going on, and once you know that she's pregnant, then you just you're kind of on her side the whole time. And what? You just you're kind of Gina Davis. You're just kind of on her side the whole time, yeah. Um, especially once you find out she's pregnant, and just her having to watch him go through this transformation yeah. that he's going through. So when yeah. was the first time? So Pat, obviously, this is the first time you saw it. Dennis, when was the first time you saw the '86 fly? I think I saw an '86. I think we saw it at the theater okay. or something. I'm telling you, I mean, like that's yeah, that puts me at like 15 years old, 14, 15. I, 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 my dad like loved all those things, so I either saw it on video right when it came out, like on VHS at the time, or I saw it at the theater. And I want to say I saw it at the theater. Okay. I remember the peeling of the nails and all that in the mm-hmm. mirror, and all, you know, like uh, the that's the fingernails. I, I remember all that like pretty graphically back then. Okay. And and the weird thing is, I think I saw it around about the same time. I didn't see it in the theater, but um, you know, I probably, probably saw it as, as soon as it came to video. I'm sure it was either on HBO or uh, yeah. you know, mom and dad might have rented it at one point. Because again, this was another one of those type of movies that my dad would have loved. Um, anytime there's a monster movie, he was going to enjoy that. So I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw this probably around about probably like 88, 89, somewhere around then. Uh, so it's probably like eight or nine years old when I saw it for the first time and that'll do something to you. Um, <laughs> when you see this one yeah. at about age, cause John Ezra is nine. I would never show him this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like my kids are older now and I'm not showing it to him either. Yeah. Right. I th- thought about it when I asked you guys, did you guys watch it recently? Does it, is it more like PG 13? I'm thinking, no, yeah, it's not. And yeah. then as I started to watch, I was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely not. I mean, the ending of this, um, 
the, where, where he picks up the gun and puts his hand on it, puts it, oh my God, that's yeah. just heartbreaking. That I mean, I think both of them had such memorable endings, and that's why, again, I go back to, I can't right. really choose one or the other because they're different, and both of them do what they tried to do and set out to do very, very well, I thought. And uh, you felt for the characters in both, you felt for the, 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 the female involved in both. Um, I think the new one, because it is so gruesome that watching her watch all this and her looks are just classic. I mean, she just does yeah. a great job. And I think she did do a great job in this one just as the like somewhat tough reporter, but also it's just breaking her down and, and, and just the final where she has to pull the trigger. is just, it's heartbreaking. Just the saddest thing where he puts the, the gun on its own head and, and is like, kill me. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Like I said, it's not just a sad movie. I will say that it's a depressing movie. Um, I don't really get depressed too much about things, but like what I mean by is you kind of are in that funk after something. This is a movie that you're in a funk for a little while after watching. There's just something about it that does something. Because it's so tragic and you see this kind of so personable guy turn into this almost unlikable character for a little bit, but even then there's still that you know it's him underneath and it's just you're seeing him just deteriorate. So I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I think you can, anytime you watch somebody transform into something they're not, and that could be somebody with Alzheimer's, that could be somebody with dementia. That could be, I, I think that there's a, there's a connection for a cancer, anything yeah. where you see somebody just transform into time and not look like, you know, if they had AIDS or I think there's, this is a fly, but it's still, there's just that losing of one person's self and, and it, a, a tragic ending. It's yeah. The disease has just revealed its purpose. We're not worried about contagion anymore. I know what the disease wants. What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. That's not too terrible, is it? Most people would give anything to be turned into something else. Turned into what? What do you think, a fly? Am I becoming a 185-pound fly? No, I'm becoming something that never existed before. I'm becoming Brundlefly. Don't you think that's worth a Nobel Prize or two? Well, and I, and David Cronenberg is is kind of well known for his thoughts on aging and disease and the body and and I think he when he made this I, a lot of I read uh, in a couple of different places a lot of people thought this was a metaphor for AIDS, um, but he didn't he wasn't specifically thinking AIDS he was just thinking like you said disease in general like cancer or any other type of disease that you can see that I mean it, right. Yeah that takes a person like, and transforms them. I, I did them. not think that when I was a kid at all, obviously when I first saw this the first time, yeah. but when you watch it as an adult, you just see different layers to it. So I don't think I've seen the movie since probably uh, maybe early 1990s. Okay. So it's been a long time since I saw it. So I saw it in 86 and I'm sure I saw it a couple times and then with getting it on VHS, I think my dad bought it. I think we have actually the old VHS of it. I think I remember the cover. It's probably in my mom's house actually still right now. But when we, you know, and then we saw it either on HBO, like you said, or something later on, uh, like in the early 90s, mid 90s. But I haven't seen it since then. So watching it again now, you, you take, I think you end up getting a lot more from it beyond the gruesome, you know, um, stuff that you see in it. Yeah. Well, so, Pat, what was it like for you watching this for the first time? Well, I mean, I was getting hit with the. Uh, I, you know, I was getting hit with kind of the gruesome thing first. I mean, I think that's that's maybe the first, that's kind of the most noticeable. When you watch it the first time, I think I would be, you know, 
if anyone could get past that gruesome thing and not let it get to him, I, I, I don't know, step forward, because there was some pretty intense things in there. There were cring- um, cringeworthy moments. pretty much yeah. my reaction. What was that? I said there were some cringeworthy moments. Just, a, just one or... Just, and, just um, you know, I can't really even say, you know, and then I was watching thinking, okay, who's going to be the bad guy and who's going to be, you know, and is he going to turn out to be a bad guy? And it, and it really, it, like you guys said, it was just sad because it was, it was kind of out of his control. I mean, yeah, okay, he did something, you know, a little bit foolhardy and, and experimented with the pods when he was kind of, when he was drunk. But that being said, you know, a little fly flying in there, I, I mean, that, that wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to do something and like up the power or he, he, he made some critical error that, that, you know, ruined this thing. So I think Dennis is right. You know, he, he messed himself up and then it was just very sad just watching his whole life unravel and watching him fall apart. And, you know, it's, it's even when things are going good, you know, when it's just like, oh yeah, he's going to be okay. Or, oh yeah, he can crawl on the ceiling or, oh yeah, you know, even when things were going good, you kind of know deep down, all right, this isn't going to last. Something's going to, something's going to give, something's going to fall apart. So and, yeah, it was, uh, and literally fall apart. It was just kind of a, literally. And it was just kind of a, just a downer movie. Yeah. So there, I, there are a couple of things about this movie that I just watching it this time around. It didn't, and I think I, I might've told you, Pat, I remember this movie being, pretty gross pretty grotesque and i but i thought because I, I don't know that i've seen this since you know, probably about the same time as you dennis probably like high school like middle school high school early mm-hmm. to mid 90s was probably one of the last times i saw this it was probably on tv somewhere so they probably had an edited version of it but i mean i there the fingernail parts and the him pulling out his teeth and his ear falling yeah. off at the one point you know just the whole disintegration of his body is is probably what i remember most of this movie and it got to when i was sitting down and watching it again it got to the part where he pulls his fingernail out and it just like yeah. stuff kind of squirts out of his finger and i i just kind of vis, vis, just visually like jump back in my chair and i was like I, I that didn't get any better with age this is still <laughs> I, hmm, no uh-uh, not cool um, but I mean, I, st- I still had those same reactions. I remember, you know, being grossed out by the, by this one as a kid and 20 to 30 years has not changed that. It's still a pretty gross movie. And the, the fact that those special effects and the makeup and everything else can still hold up, um, 30 years later means that those guys deserve to win the Oscar for it. Right. I read yeah. some. I read somewhere too that these guys were offered. Um, they were offered two different options. The the people that were doing the special effects. They said, "Well, we've got these two different movies that are in production right now. One is called The Fly, and one is called Gremlins Two. Which one do you want to work on?" And they were like, "Well, um, I think The Fly might be more of a challenge for us. So let's. We want to try that one." I'm like, okay. Interesting. So, mm. so yeah, you could have gone with the box office hit that was Gremlins Two, but thankfully you went with The Fly. Exactly. So in this one, and there's two different. I, I noticed this this time around too that there's two different, very two different themes to these movies, two different topics that they're kind of covering. This one is a little bit about humanity and identity and and maybe disease and aging. The other one, the message I got from that one, and I thought was kind of an in- interesting one, especially being a movie from the mid to late 1950s. Um, 
it kind of jumped out at me as one of the comments that the wife made when she was first introduced to this invention of the the teleporter and she kind of lamented and, and she was saying oh i just don't know this technology is moving so fast we have satellites and rockets and and spaceships and it just where is it going to end and i'm i'm watching that i'm thinking wow if, if that's how they felt in 1958 that they were worried yeah. about technology moving too fast then fast forward about yeah. 60 years yeah so in terms of that kind of stuff do you when you see this movie do you think of like if if there's a deeper meaning to it which kind uh, which one interests you more would it be the exploration of are we doing are we going too far with technology or is it the human story which one do you prefer I think it's, I don't know if it's this, I think it's any, I, I think it's, uh, I think, I think maybe, maybe a little bit of the technology piece of that, but it's like, yeah, I mean, here's a guy who wants to do something good or is trying to like break new boundaries and do that. And there's a cost for that. Yeah. And there's a risk for it. I think they even, um, I think they even, you know what, if you watch the old fly, I think that there's a good um, explanation of it at the end with Vincent Price talking about his dad. Or, you know, the kid's dad. And he's telling the kid about he's like an explorer. And he actually uses that terminology yeah. and says, you know, he's like an explorer who was trying to do these things. And you know, I forgot the exact wording yet, but I know he, he does compare it to an explorer. Yeah. Um, and, and something tragic happening type of thing. And that there's risks involved with those type of things. And because the kid's asking him to kind of tell him about his dad. So I think that's a legit thing. I, and, and I think it could be a little cautionary tale on that of, you know. We we try to push the envelope, and uh, sometimes things get screwed up, and you're gonna you're gonna lose people and lose things, and, and it, or it could be the do we lose our humanity, you know, throughout the process of pursuing such at such a fast rapid pace. So I be careful of both. I don't know. I guess you could I, you could read into either one. Yeah. So I and mean, I, you know, anytime yeah. you push technology, or I mean, anytime you push technology. And I mean, I'm not trying to say, oh, we'll get the longer lasting battery on the iPhone. Well, even though, I mean, phones have been exploding recently, too. So I guess it could happen, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, anything. But I mean, yeah, anytime you get that, and like you mentioned explorers, I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, when the space shuttle blew up, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an example of explorers, and it's, it's inherently dangerous. You know, you're doing something like that, you know, you can get seriously hurt or seriously killed. And... and Granted, that wasn't quite the premise with this movie. You know, they weren't approaching it like, you know, these guys were astronauts or these guys were test pilots or something like that. But, you know, if you're going to get into that debate of, well, is technology pressing too far? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, that, that didn't, that seems like we could get into a tangential discussion on it, but I don't know. That didn't really seem to be the crux of the, of the movie. No. I don't know. Yeah. Not not exact not exactly. It's about it's a it's not like they're specifically making commentary. I think on that, um, right? But I mean, you can walk away with that sort of piece of you know how he, how he got himself. I mean, here's here's the bottom line: who's the monster in this movie? No one, right? So right. horror movies and mon- there's no more there's no monster in this movie. There's no bad guy. There's no horrible person. There's no villain really in this movie. No. The the guy that we're you know the guy that you end up feeling sorry for is the guy who turns into the quote-unquote monster but even at the end it's like you know like just 
kill me at the end. I'm like, this, I'm not, this is not who I am anymore. Like there is that little sense of humanity still left in him enough to say, Hey, I, you need to end this. Cause he was about to go and take her. He was getting twisted and evil yeah. uh, to a certain point where he's like, right. we're going to be three of us. and We're going to be all in one body, the yeah. ultimate unit, you know, all sick and psycho over it and freaking her out. And it's, you know, it, it, it shows that that that's in him, but at the same, he's like battling between the two, you know, the twisted uh, mind that's going on with him right now. So I, I, I think while it's not a, direct obvious commentary on it you can definitely walk away with that that idea that there is no villain here other than sometimes ourselves it's a little bit like the right a little bit like a frankenstein story you know he's a, he's a monster but not of his own making and yes. he you know he's not inherently bad um just people around him react to fear. him as if he's bad and yeah. fear him and yeah oh i found your um dennis i was able to, to pull up the script of the original fly movie and the quote where they're talking back and forth, um, the son asks, uh, why did he die? Why did my dad die? And Vincent Price, I, th- I think it's Vincent Price, says, well, Philippe, he died because of his work. He was like an explorer in a wild country where no one has ever been before. He was searching for the truth. He almost found a great truth. But for one instant, he was careless. And then the boy asks, that's what killed him? And then he says, search for the truth is the most important work in the whole world and the most dangerous. And the boy says, I'd like that. I'd like to be an explorer like him. Will you help me, Uncle Francois? Yes, Philippe. And then they walk off at the end and yeah. and then end credits come up. Yeah. So do you guys have um, now, obviously, some of the more memorable scenes of this movie are going to be the kind of the grotesque ones and the, the makeup work and special effects and things like that. Um, do you have can you pick out a favorite scene from the movie or maybe let's say a more memorable scene if it's not necessarily because you said this is kind of a depressing movie at the end of it all. Um, so maybe if it's not a favorite scene, is there a more memorable scene? Okay, you want to go first or no? You go first, man. I, uh, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. I, well, I, you know, the memorable stuff, I mean, any of the gross-out things, mm-hmm. you know, would be um, any of the gross-out things. I mean, that's what people are going to walk away with. Um, then the, um, I mean, the quote, for me would be be afraid be very afraid because what that mm-hmm. yeah this movie i and I, I remember i remember hearing that quote people would say that all the time and it's funny because when they said that in the movie i didn't even process that oh okay you know like they're back mm-hmm. from poltergeist that's kind of this to be afraid be very afraid she right. said it and i'm just like oh my gosh that's where that came from yeah. all right that's cool you know okay for me, the uh, I think okay, obviously the the creature with the two eyes putting the gun to its head. That one is something that, I'll, like I said, just like the original has that scene in the web. That to me is equal to it. So I'm like, it's amazing that I think both movies put a very disturbing, um, tragic, sad, wish I didn't see it type of feel for both of those type of things. When I say wish I didn't feel it, see it is uh, not the movie, but that scene. Like you know, you see that, and you're just like. A little bit of The Walking Dead, <laughs> just mm. even like there's some scenes in there that's like that we just saw yesterday. Uh-huh. And that were like, you, I don't think anybody's going to forget the one scene. I don't want to blow that in case people haven't seen it yet. But I don't yeah, think no. they're going to forget when they're you know that someone's trying to talk and they don't look too good. Mm-hmm. Um, those type of things are so disturbing to the human, especially because it looks like it's possible, even though the fly isn't possible. Right. Um, well, there's something about it that there's a human in this creature. So there is a human in there, and we just identify with that. And I think it's just tragic. And the other one that it's the, the arm wrestling, 
I oh, remember that man. affecting me. Yeah, I would. I used to arm wrestle all the time. Not after I had that. The ability to lock my arm in. We did this at lunch all the time at school, mm-hmm. Catholic school, everything. And we, and you know, I see my kid do it now, and I'm telling you, I tell him like, Hunter, don't do that. Your arm's gonna break. And I want to be like, because I've seen the fly, and it's gonna break. Like, don't do it. There you go. And, and and they would always be. Do- and I remember doing that, and I could lock my arm. And I would just wear a person down by just holding. Mm-hmm. So I would let them keep on kind of forcing. And I would just hold it. Hold. And there'd be times where I'm telling you, like, you feel like somebody's strong. After seeing that movie, man, I was afraid to arm wrestle. No, break, I'm you. like, because it just happens like that. I'm like, is that possible? I think I remember like asking people, like, can that really happen? Can you just break your, like, and then I looked and, and people can break their arm on wrestling. And I'm like, well, dude, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not messing with that anymore because I was a baseball player, and I'm like, I need my arm. If you want, if right. if you want a deterrent for Hunter, just cut that clip out, show him that, and then just that'll be the end of it. I know it was just that, just <laughs> that was that, and and then the other scene that for some, I mean, it's it's this sounds horrible the way I'm going to probably say this, but when he had the power and that you know, like he's had all his power to do. He, and he takes that one girl home and he oh, yeah. runs up the stairs. I'm like, it's kind of funny, yeah. but God, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, that is just like so awesome. Like, man, how impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go up a bunch of flight of stairs, super fast carrying a girl. I'm like, <laughs> there you go. See, see, this is going to be, this is where you get into the tragic flaw. Cause now you're going to try and harness it. Like you're gonna be like the guy that says, you know what, he messed up, but I'm gonna find I can a way. Do it right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. powers. Yeah. You can't do that though. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll go into Dennis's classroom, and he's got a couple of telepods set up. <laughs> yeah, I know, no, and he's gonna be like telling the kids, "Hey, get in the pod. This is gonna make you better. If mm-hmm. you want an A, you got to get in the pod." No, Mr. Matouche, help me. Help no, me. Get in the pod. He's going to splice himself with that squirrel that's always outside of his classroom. <laughs> yeah, that would be my movie, The Squirrel. <laughs> You'll be the uh, Matuch well, squirrel. Yeah, dude, better be. Yeah, that thing was wandering in your classroom the other day. It's going to it's gonna get in your telepod. Gonna get, yeah, there you go. Let's work on that, John. That's our new movie. Let's do that. We got the rematch. Let's do The Squirrel. The Squirrel. Okay. Yeah, at the end, I end up burying my own nuts. Anyway, so anyway. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to find him first. All right, well, my scene. <laughs> good, good. Uh-huh. Buried somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think the scene I'm going to have to go with is I, I like a lot of the times where he is. Um, I don't know if this was my favorite, but the times where he's just after he's got the fly DNA in him and he's just kind of going on these little mini rants about things. And when he's in that, when they're in that uh, diner and he's just shoveling the sugar into his coffee and uh, she even makes the comment like he, he's just talking like he doesn't even really know anybody else is around him anymore and she kind of makes a comment she's like would you like some coffee with your sugar so i asked the computer if it had improved me and it said it didn't know what i was talking about and that's made me think very carefully about what i've been feeling and why and i'm beginning to think that the sheer process of being taken apart out by out and put back together again why it's like coffee being put through a filter it's somehow a purifying process it's purified me it's cleansed me and i'll tell you i think it's going to allow me to realize the personal potential I've been neglecting all these years that I've been uh, obsessively pursuing goal after goal. Do you normally take coffee with your sugar? What? Uh, you know, I, I just don't think I've ever given me a chance to be me. But, of course, interestingly, at the exact same moment that I uh, achieved what will probably prove to be my life's work, that's the moment when I started being the real me, finally. So, uh, 
Listen, and not to wax messianic, but uh, it may be true that the synchronicity of those two events might blur the resultant individual effect of either individually. But it is uh, uh, nevertheless also certainly true, I will say now, however uh, subjectively, that uh, human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. It makes a man a king. From the moment I walked out of the pot, I felt like a million bucks. You know, I think I am going to have a, a cannoli after all. Waiter! I mean, what an accomplishment. But what have I really done, though? All I've done is say to the world, let's go, move, catch me if you can. Waiter, Jesus Christ. And he's totally not paying attention. He's just running through his whole rant on what it means to be human and to be superhuman and to, you know, what he's becoming and, and all this other stuff. And, and so I like that because that kind of reminds me of some of my favorite bits that, um, Jeff Goldblum does, you know, when the, when he's the character, when he's Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park and just kind of his little, these little rants on these philosophical topics and things like that. I think though my favorite scene is, and, and some of the gross stuff too, because you know, I, I always love a good horror movie that's got some gross stuff in it. Um, and if I got to go with the one that's the most gross, it's when he's dissolving the guy's arm and leg at the end oh, yeah. that, that yeah. I think that one kind of yeah, so, yeah. tops like, everything. Yeah. Um, but my favorite scene is actually a little speech that he kind of gives to, um, what is Gina Davis's character's name? Ronnie, I think is her name. Okay. Yeah, I think it's Ronnie. Um, and this line, even as a kid, this line kind of stuck with me. And I, it, seemed, it seemed an odd line when I saw this as a kid. And it's still a line that kind of sticks with me now when I watch this as an adult. And it's, I've got, it, I've got the, the script of it right here. He says, um, you have to leave now and never come back here. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion, no compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, but I'm afraid. And she's like, I don't know what you're trying to say. As I'm saying, I'm saying I, I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. And she just kind of says, no, no. And he says, I'm saying, I'll hurt you if you stay. And I think that line, like even as a kid, that final line and just the, the way he looks at her is he kind of realizes he's not entirely in control anymore. And yeah. it's, it kind of, mm -hmm. it goes back to that scene in the original fly, which I thought was a really strong scene too, where he's basically telling her, look, I'm going to have to die because I already feel like I'm losing control. And he's trying to write on the, he's erased his equation. This is the old fifties one. He's erased his equation off the chalkboard and he's writing something like, you know, no more, like no longer have control. And the final words as he's trying to claw it out with the chalk on the board is love you. And that's kind of his last thing that he can do before he's completely starting to lose control. And then to me, this is like a, a really good updating of that scene is he's yeah. going through the whole right. thing of, I, I can't control it anymore. I, I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man. And then that kind of, that kind of jumps a little bit to, um, if you've ever read um, Metamorphosis, have you ever read that book? Kafka's Metamorphosis? Where the man, yes, the man, I love that book. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, that's a little bit of a hint of that, you know, kind of like uh, referring to that story. Um, but then just that, just that line and the way he looks at her is, and it's not like a, it's not like a, a mean, vicious, angry, I'll hurt you if, a, if I, I will hurt you if you stay. It's a, you can't stay because I'm going to lose control. I won't want to hurt you, but I will. Have you ever heard of insect politics? 
be there fine. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, uh, but, oh, I'm afraid, um... I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm saying... I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. No, sir. I'm saying I'll hurt you this day. So I think that scene in particular, if I had to go with like the strongest scene in the movie for me when I watch it, has got to be that one. Okay. Yeah, that's good. All righty. Good spot. Yeah. I like his, the twitching and stuff that he did. Is he? I mean, you, I, I really do think like mm-hmm. uh, for Jeff Goldblum at like uh, the Academy Award. I mean, the performance that he does as he starts to change and everything else, the twitching and and all the different mannerisms and weird things it's like I, it was always that still impresses me that he was able to pull that off even back then i'm not going to ask my remake question because you're going to make fun of it what question are you going to ask i said i'm not going to ask my remake question because dennis makes fun of it okay if you were going to cast the fly today who, <laughs> who would you put in a new version of the fly man that's just a hard question for pat to answer i can't I never answer those questions i just Christian i like mail okay I don't know. Um, I didn't really think too much, but I just Christian Bale out there. Yeah. I just think of what he did in The Machinist. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, would, that might not be bad. I don't know who I would pick. Christian Bale. I mean, it's got to be somebody that you have some sense of, like, you know, care or humanity for, but at the same time has to pull off the, the transformation and play with the kind of the psychotic end of it too where you start to lose yourself so Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see Um, ooh we could do here Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt I have a feeling you're going to say that (laughs) I swear to God I was going to bet that why did you think that I don't know I just thought that Okay. he always seems to come up as somebody like we think he can do anything like I'm just saying like if you actually go back on our podcast his name comes up to so many remakes okay gotcha just Gordon Levitt, yeah. <laughs> He's our go-to guy. There we go. He's, he could be in anything. Uh, but he I'm, could, I mean, he could do this, but I'm just saying that's right. uh, maybe that's a testament to him. But Well, I'm just trying to think of somebody that, that you could start the movie off and he looks, you know, very normal and, inno- normal and innocent. And I, you know, I don't No. <laughs> After his Lex Luthor, I don't know that I ever want to see him ever again. Oh, man. Jeez. Mm. Yeah, he he transformed into a disgusting, grotesque monster by the end of that movie. Yeah. Not a fan. See, I would kind of like to see them cast, you know, like Hugh Jackman 
and like Wolverine in the movie, but then Wolverine beats it. Like he gets more. And then into the it. opposite is Monica Bellucci. <laughs> well, see that I was going to go the other way and have it be a have it be a, a female. You could cast a female in the in the lead role, and it could be I don't know um, Scarlett Johansson. There you go. I hate to say it, but if you cast Monica Bellucci in that role, her hotness would just like incinerate the fly. Like it would just negate <laughs> what happened. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. So if it was just, like Scarlett Johansson, would it be like instead of the fly, it might be like a fox or something? Sure. Thirty so. <laughs> something chauvinist podcast. There you go. <laughs> that would be interesting. You know. You know what? To be honest with you. That would that would be really cool. Like I'm sitting here, like I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I love being on the podcast. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, but sometimes that recasting conversation, I'm just no good at it, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just kind of, I just, you know, redoing. Honestly, redoing it and judging society to see, okay, we can tolerate a male becoming all like disfigured and freaky and turning into a bug and all that. Interesting to me. I mean, it would be interesting to me to see what happens if we recast it and make it be a female lead. Well, that's and what I'm thinking. She's the one that turns into the monster. Right. That's what I'm thinking because then you can you can bring in like the idea of body image and and you know all that stuff yeah. and yeah, all right, that'd be interesting to me. I I don't I don't really care who would be cast in it. I just I think that could be interesting to kind of flip yeah. that around. And if you want to do something different, because they have talked at different times about doing either a remake or doing sequels to this and. Um, the Fly Two, uh, Dennis. Did you ever see The Fly Two? I uh, probably did, but not memorable. So yeah, it's not great. Um, not a great movie at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it, but apparently, they were while that one was being made, they were also, or or maybe right after that, they were talking about making a sequel that would kind of pretend that never happened. Um, and so, and Gina Davis, I guess, was going to be she was going to be involved in that one. It was going to be called flies um, and that she was going to give birth to twins um, and that that would then start the, the next phase of this. Um, then apparently a few other times, like in the early two thousands, they talked about doing a remake of it. David Cronenberg, the director himself, although he said he would never do sequels. Um, he apparently had a script written up for a sequel at one point in time and they kept passing on it and saying, ah, we don't, we don't really like your idea. We don't want to do it. Um, Apparently, there was a comic book a couple years ago that did kind of a sequel to it um, that involved a, a kind of fly-like virus spread it, uh, spreading around the United States and the world. Um, I had never heard of that one, so I, at some point I may go pick that up and just kind of see what it is. But it was called The Fly Outbreak. Um, but yeah, so I, apparently did they, uh, in 2008, they did an opera. So maybe we don't need a sequel. We could just go see the opera. Yeah. I think David Cronenberg, um, he did the script for the opera that they did. Um, and I don't know how long it went for, but it was in 2008, and apparently it was based off of the movie. And I don't know that I would go to the opera to see The Fly, but it would probably be interesting or weird enough to just check it out once, and maybe it's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. All right. Well, do we have any parting thoughts for The Fly? Do you want to tell people whether or not they should see it? Oh, no, I think I, I think people should see it, but be forewarned. It's not obviously for kids, and it's going to be a bit gruesome. And uh, But I think that there's a good human story there, and 
Uh, great performances. I think it's good. If you like the original, you'll like this one. You'll like both, I think, except this one is definitely different. And and like Vincent Price says, and from that generation, I can definitely see them saying, like, you think it w- thinks it went a little too far with the gross stuff. Mm-hmm. And could you have told the story with less special effects and, and done it still well? I think you probably could. But at the same time, when you think about genetic splicing and what really probably would happen, it would probably be pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can't fault either side of it. You could have played it a little bit more conservatively. Might have increased the chances of an Academy Award nomination, um, but at the same time, I think that uh, it's, it's fair game to go and go a bit gruesome on that because it would be. I mean, you're, you're mixing DNA and stuff's going to come out pretty bizarre. So we are, this will be our final one in October. Uh, so that means we are going to be moving on into the month of November in which we will be doing uh, some of our uh, crime fighting and mystery movies. Uh, we're going to be yes. talking, next time around, we're going to be talking Cobra. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> there we go. These will be. This will be Pat's month. Pat is not so much an October fan, but when we get into November and we've got uh, starting it off with Cobra and Raw Deal, I kind of feel like that's going to be Pat's wheelhouse. Um, yeah, this this will be a lot of like, yeah, awesome. There you go. So, so we are going to have uh, coming up. We're going to have Cobra. Uh, we're going to have Raw Deal um, somewhere in the next few episodes, our hundredth episode. So sometime within the next, uh, few weeks or so, we will be doing a, a show on our favorite holiday movies as it is getting closer to December. And then, uh, uh, issue our episode number one Oh one is going to be the name of the Rose starring Sean Connery. And one Oh two is going to be blue velvet. And that will finish out November for us. And if you're looking way ahead to December and you want to watch some movies before we talk about them, uh, in December, we're doing platoon, the Manhattan Project, Star Wars Rogue One, and Top Gun. So, yeah. so that's what we got coming up. Um, so if you would like to get a hold of us in the meantime, you can do so by going to 30podcast.com. That's our website. It's got all the different ways to get a hold of us. We've got a voicemail line if you'd like to send in some uh, feedback or a message. We've got our email, 30podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at 30podcast. Uh, these are all 30podcast. Uh, we're on facebook.com slash 30 podcast. We are on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcasts, iTunes, and you can just listen to us directly on 30podcast.com. So until we see you next time for Cobra, and uh, we might actually have the um, not quite sure when the Dark Knight Returns uh, episode. That's probably going to come out before this one, so you will have already heard it if you listen to it. Um, it was a little longer, so we might break it up into two parts. And then, um, as I've been saying probably for the last two months, uh, where there's going to be a Razzies of 1986 episode coming out pretty soon, too. I just have to finally sit down and force myself to finish finish watching uh, Under the Cherry Moon with Prince. And it's taking a while to finish that one because it's horrible. It, it greatly deserves the Razzie Award that it got in 1986. So, that's that. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, Pat. Um, and and thank you, Dennis. This is two in a row. So, I mean, you're this this is the Dennis Batuch hat trick. So, I don't know what we're gonna do next time. What's the next movie? Uh, next one's Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. Okay, so we're done with all the Halloween. Huh? Yeah. Will you be here for uh, Will you be here for Cobra? Yeah, I'll be here for Cobra. Okay. All right. You Did, seen we'll, Cobra? I've seen those. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll save you a spot then. All right. Well, in the meantime, we hope that you all um, be excellent to each other. Go out and watch some fun movies. And since it is going to be Halloween pretty soon, be afraid. Be very afraid. All right. We will see you all next time. Thank you.
be afraid. Be very afraid.